0: Well, welcome to Salem Chapel. If you're new with us, let me introduce myself. My name is Johnny Pereira. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here. We are so glad that you came into this room this morning. If you're watching us online, we're so glad that you tuned in. If you're listening to this later on during the week and whatever you're doing, man, I'm glad that you did that. Uh, Let me just make mention of something before we get into God's Word today that I think is of utmost importance, and I want to give you a date. It's November 7th. It's the very first Sunday in the month of November. It's crazy to think that we're already almost there, uh, closing out the year. It's, it's like we lost uh, the last 18 months, but nevertheless, that's our reality. November 7th, 5.30 p.m., we are gonna have a worship night right in this place. If you have kids from birth all the way through preschool, we'll have childcare available for you, but uh, we just want, as we uh, close out this series to be able to have a time where we can celebrate what God has been teaching us. As we have been talking about what it looks like to abide with Jesus. And one of the things that we're going to do is, is hope we're going to encourage you, you know, many of you have grabbed one of these journals uh, that we have that we've made and customized and it has our Bible reading tool on one side, it has our prayer tool on the other. Many of you have grabbed one of those. If you haven't grabbed one, you can grab one today. We've had so many of you buy one and then say, man, I want to buy some for someone else. So let me just encourage you that you have people, if you're like, man, I don't have any cash or whatever your situation is, you have people who loved you who wanted you to have one of these in your hands. So don't allow that you don't have any money on you to keep you from grabbing one of these. And we're going to gather together, we're going to worship, and we're going to share stories of what God has been doing in each of us as we have been taking that invitation to abide with Jesus in a deeper way. In fact, after all, that's what we have been talking about uh, since the beginning of September. We've been in this series entitled Abide, but you've heard me say this over and over again, and I will continue to say it, and today will be no different, that this is so much more than a series. Really what we are doing in this series is we are introducing you the ways that we are going to make this place have a culture that is about abiding with Jesus, that that's what we are committed to. That as we think about our mission statement, which is to make and mobilize disciples of Jesus, understanding as we have seen and as we're about to read in John 15 again, that we can't do that without abiding in Jesus. And so we don't want to be a church that tells you to abide. We want it to be a church that equips you on how to do that on your own so that you can trade in maybe that mediocre faith, that faith that you've been struggling with, and as you abide in Jesus and you're intentional in doing that, you can move your faith from a mediocre place to be a place that's life-giving, that's joyful, that you'll be able to know how to connect what Jesus has done for you and is doing in and through you to whatever you are experiencing. Because after all, that is what God has called us to do as the church, and so we don't wanna be a place that just puts something on walls, we wanna be a place that shows you how to do it. And not just so that you can abide with Jesus, but so then you in turn can show someone else how to do that as well. And so we've been introducing these tools, a tool to help you read the Bible, a tool to help you how to pray, a tool to help you how to hear and obey the voice of the Lord, really thinking about those two questions that I really introduced last week that are so fundamental to our walk with Jesus. What is God saying? If you remember it, say the next one with me. And what am I going to do about it? Those are two fundamental questions. Those are questions that Lori and I have used in our life over the years. What is God saying to you? Through his word, through a circumstance, through an event, through another person. And more importantly, what are you going to do about it? How is the Lord inviting you to take what you heard and to be obedient to it? Well, this morning, I want to introduce to you another tool in just helping you abide with Jesus. We have five of them. This one is the fourth one. We're going to look at the fifth one next week, but before I introduce to you what that tool is, I want to remind ourselves of how we define abide. It literally comes, before we put that definition up there, it literally comes from the Greek word. If you remember, the New Testament is written in Greek. The Old Testament is written in Hebrew, if you didn't know that, and so the Word that John uses in John fifteen five that he, John fifteen that he mentions over eleven times, which by the way he's the only apostle to use that word, out of all the gospels. It literally means to remain, to commune, to be in fellowship with. That's what the word literally means. That Greek word that we get the word abide. And so as we were thinking, man, how do we come up with a definition that that describes what abide is, but yet is simple enough for a child to understand as well as an adult, here's what we define abide as. And there may be better definitions out there, you may have one yourself, but here's how we're defining abide at Salem Chapel, and your kids are learning this, it'll be on the wall down there soon, it's this, walking hand in hand with Jesus as he leads the way. And the reason why we chose those words is because walking hand in hand with Jesus has humility to it. Because it's admitting that I can't do life on my own. It's admitting that I need a hand to lead me. I need a hand to hold. And whether you're a man or a woman, that may be hard for you depending on who you are, but that's part of abiding in Jesus is admitting that we need him. There's humility involved, there's protection involved, there's strength involved, there's provision involved. That I understand that I'm holding the hand of Jesus who has provided everything that I need and has done everything so that I can have a relationship with him and a home in heaven one day. I'm walking hand in hand with him as he leads the way. Not as I kick and scream along the way, not as I lead the way, but as he leads the way. And so as I said before, we're committed to be able to help you how to do that and to show you how to help others. Because after all, what does Jesus say in John 15:5? Look at it with me. Turn there if you want, it's on the screen as well. Jesus says this, I am the vine. You are the branches. Your pastor's not the vine. Your spouse is not the vine. Your kids are not the vine. Your job's not the vine. Your paycheck's not the vine. Your retirement's not the vine. Jesus is the vine. He's your life source. He's where all of your spiritual life flows out of. He's where your meaning is found. And who are we? We are the branches. We are the beneficiary of who Jesus is. Look at what it says: Whoever abides in me, communes with me, fellowships with me, enjoys relationship with me, and I in him. He it is that bears much fruit. Now, if you've been here every week, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I don't. I, I don't want to know if you haven't done this or not. But hopefully, you have. You've underlined bear much fruit. I love that promise that the Lord wants you to bear much fruit. He wants you to experience much contentment. He wants you to experience much love, much joy, much peace. The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22, that the Lord desires that for you, not just a little bit. He doesn't want you to be some shrub with four little branches and a couple little blooms. No, no, no. He wants you to bear much fruit. He wants you to experience everything that he has desires for you, desired for you. That's who our savior is. But here's the reality. He says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. And we can be married without Jesus. We can do our job without Jesus. We can parent our kids without Jesus. Heck, we can pastor a church without Jesus. But if we're gonna experience any sort of the things of the fruit that the Lord desires us to experience, We gotta look to him as our vine. We have to abide. And as we're abiding with Jesus and walking hand in hand with him, we talked about man, it's about reading his words that he's written to us, which is his word. It's about having a conversation with him, which is why we've given you a prayer tool and a way to do that. It's about discerning what he's saying and what are you gonna do about it? We gave you here an obey tool. We're gonna press down and continue to press down in this church, so if you don't feel like you have all the tools under wraps, don't feel bad about that. We aren't just gonna gloss over them and leave them. We're gonna to continue to press them down in all of our environments. But there's something else about abiding with Jesus that it does. You know what it does as he's leading the way? Is he leads us to opportunities, as I'm walking hand in hand with him, to share with others how Jesus has changed and is changing my life. That's a part of abiding with Jesus. It's seeing opportunities of people that God places in your past that need what you have, that need what you've experienced, that need in what you're growing to understand more and more. But whenever we talk about sharing Jesus with others, we automatically get a little nervous, don't we? I thought this was interesting in 19, used a couple statistics from George Barna who does a lot of statistics on the church. It says in 1993, which is a long time, some of you were not born, I get that. Definitely don't need to be reminded of that. I was. 1993, I remember it well. Nine out of 10 Christians who had shared their faith agreed with this statement. So 90% of Christians who, have shared their faith with someone, agreed with this, that every Christian has a responsibility and a privilege to share their faith. Like, like, like that's an opportunity, that's a responsibility, that's a privilege. What's interesting is today, where we are today, just around 64%, two-thirds of Christians believe that that is their responsibility and privilege to do that. So in other words, what we would say is 64% of people, or they should say the... The other percentage of people, that 25-point drop from 1993 to today, believe, well, it's somebody else's responsibility. Normally, they look at it and say, well, well hey, uh, we give in the offering, uh, Johnny, so that's your job. It's your job. And sadly, that's oftentimes how we see it. Now, here's what I think is interesting, because a lot of people are like, man, does, would anybody even want to have a conversation with me about my faith? Well, Lifeway Research, another group that does a lot of different statistics, Statistical studies says this. Unchurched people are interested in faith. 79% of the people survey said if a friend of mine really values their faith, I don't mind talking about it with them. I thought that was so interesting. But here's a statistic that I feel like is somewhat discouraging. But at the same time, why it's so important that we have a way that we can just know, man, when's an opportunity arising? When could I share my faith? Like, like, what does that look like when that opportunity comes? 95% of people have never had the experience of sharing their faith with someone and seeing that person begin a relationship with Jesus. 95%. That means the vast majority of us in this room have never had the privilege of being able to say, hey, can I tell you my story, how I came to Jesus, and seeing that person say, I want that. I wanna believe in that. 95% have never seen that. And so if we need to stress the importance of why we're gonna introduce this tool to you that's gonna help you share your faith in Jesus, it's because I don't want it said of you that you don't get to experience that privilege. Because man, I have. And it's an awesome thing. It's a humbling thing. It's a beautiful thing. But I don't mention those statistics in a way to shame you or to guilt you. So please don't receive it in that way. I just mention it as to identify that, you know what? We have something that we need to address. And so I thought to myself, and just in my office this week as I was studying for this message, I asked myself this question. Man, if that's the reality in the church, then what keeps us from sharing our faith with others? And so I just came up with some things. I didn't find these on a website. These are just things that came to my mind and how I would answer this question. Like what keeps me from sharing others about how Jesus changed my life? Here's the first one I came up with, fear of being judgmental or confrontational. Now unfortunately, a lot of us have seen people share how Jesus changed their life in a very confrontational, judgmental way that does anything but desire anybody to want what they're offering. And unfortunately, maybe us, some of us have even experienced that. Or even some of us who have been asked to do that in our past, and so we're like, man, that is a big wedge. My, the, my, I have bad memories when it comes to how I was told to share my faith. That may be you, and that may be keeping you from doing that. How about this? Maybe you're like the 64%. You just don't believe it's your responsibility. You're like, hey, here's what I want to do. I want to invite my friend or my neighbor or my coworker to church, and Johnny, it's your responsibility. But What I want you to see today is if you're thinking that way, you're robbing yourself from a beautiful opportunity that God desires for you. Listen, I want you to invite people to our church. Don't get me wrong, but I don't want you to miss out on seeing the opportunity that God may be giving you. How about this? Maybe some of you, you don't have any relationships with anybody who doesn't know Jesus. You're like, I don't know anybody. Everybody I hang out with knows Jesus. And let me just tell you when you hang out with people that have no desire whatsoever to know Jesus or know about Jesus, I don't know if it's me because of what I do, but it is refreshing. I actually enjoy it. Now, I am a little scared when they ask me what I do that I'll never talk to them again, but nevertheless, it's refreshing. Because, man, it's nice to finally get outside of your box, so to speak, of the people that you always hang out with. But maybe the reason why you don't is you just don't know anybody who doesn't know Jesus. And here's the thing that I think is true for most of us. You just don't know how. You don't know how. Let me give you two verses that I think are significant to what we're going to unpack today. 1 Peter 3.15 says this. But in your hearts, honor Christ is Holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you. And it's not a defense like you're arguing, but, but like you, you're ready. Like you're ready to share how Jesus changed your life. To anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you. Why do you seem to have hope? Because you're experiencing some of the same things I am, but why are you experiencing hope? Yet do it. Can you say the rest of the verse with me? It's on the screen. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Not on the corner of a street with a megaphone. Gentleness and respect. That word gentleness has the idea of power under control. And Jesus has given us a part to play. Look at me, look at me. Jesus has given you a part to play in bringing people to realize how much Jesus loves them, and how he wants to change their life. He's given you a part to play. He's given me a part to play. He doesn't have to use me. God is gonna do what God is gonna do. And if I miss out on that opportunity, he has someone else, trust me, he's not up in heaven right now saying, well, Johnny missed that opportunity, I don't know what I'm gonna do. But I have a part to play. So if you're taking notes this morning, here's the title of the message. The power of your grace story. Because here's what I want you to understand as we're thinking about abiding, that you are abiding in Jesus. Remember, we've been talking about you're abiding in Jesus when you read his words to you. You're abiding in Jesus when you have conversations with him. You're abiding in Jesus when you're hearing, obeying what he wants you to do. But you're abiding with Jesus also when you are ready and willing to share your grace story with others. You say, well, Johnny, what does grace story mean? Well, I've defined that. Here's grace story. Just my definition. The story of how you received God's grace through Jesus Christ and began a relationship with him. That's what I mean by grace story. And we use those terms intentionally. Because you know what I get when I place my trust in Jesus Christ as my savior? believing that he lived a perfect life for me, a life I can't live. He died on the cross for my sins. He rose again three days later, showing that God approved of Jesus' perfect life and perfect death for my sin. You know what I receive when I say, Jesus, I believe in what you've done for me, not in the good that I can do, but in what you did for me. You know what I receive? I receive grace. I get what I don't deserve. But how I come to receive that grace is a story. You and I have a story. Every person in this room has a story to tell. Have you ever thought about your life that way, as a story? Because it's true, and here's something that I know about every one of us. Every one of us loves stories. Like when you're a little kid, what do you want mom or dad to read before you go to bed? A story. When you're growing up, what do you read oftentimes if you've got books? You read stories. What do you watch on TV? You watch stories. What do you binge on Netflix? Stories. Like we're hardwired to want To know stories. God's word is a story. It's a story of how much he loves you and how he's coming back one day to restore all things. God's word is a story. We have a story and it is a story to tell. But here's something else I also understand about stories. It doesn't matter if it's a kid's book. It doesn't matter if it's a graphic novel. It doesn't matter if it's something else that you're reading or a movie you're watching or whatever it is. Do you know stories have common themes? It's true of every story. Your story has, a common, has common themes. My story has common themes. There's parts of my story that have moments of achievement, and moments where I'm like, man, this was amazing, let me tell you about it, let me tell you about how it happened, and, and let me tell you about the happiness that it brought, and the joy that it brought, And we have moments of high, of achievement in our stories, that's true of any story, that we're excited to tell, that we're excited that happened, that there are certain events in our life that you can't even write it, and it just happened in a profound way, that's true of all of our stories. You may want to minimize some of those things, but it's true for you. Oh yeah, some of us have maybe maybe like more crazier types of those stories, but nevertheless, we all have highs in our stories, moments of achievement, moments of happiness, which means also that it's true. So we also have moments of pain, moments of hurt, moments of hurt or pain maybe that we did to someone else or moments of pain or hurt that have been done to us. It's true of my story. I know it's true of your story. Oh, the degrees of that pain and that hurt, sure, they can differ in stories, but we all have them. We have moments of pain. We have moments of lack of purpose in our story. We have moments of longing where we're longing for something, and it isn't happening, and it's causing us to ask questions and saying, why is this all life is? We have those moments of lack of purpose in our life. We have moments where our identity is called into question. Like, is this what I was created for? Is this why I live? Every one of us have those common themes in our story, moments of extreme joy and extreme happiness, moments of achievement, but also moments of pain and moments of a lack of purpose. And I share those things because I wonder if some of us have never thought of our lives as a story. But can I encourage you with something? God has given you a story to tell. See, a lot of times we want to minimize what's happened in our life. We want to say that nobody cares. We want to say that it's insignificant. We want to say that it doesn't matter. But what I want you to hear today as we think about our grace story is that you have a story to tell. And God wants you to tell it. And I'm not saying you open up and you share every every detail with someone that you don't even know. That's not what I'm saying. I just want you to, first of all, think about your life as a story and not to minimize it, but to see it as something that God wants to redeem. Because that leads right into a tool that we've created on how to help you share your story and it's called a grace story tool and you may have noticed this on the wall when you went to get your coffee and you're like what is those two circles there that intersect like like what's that all about well now you finally get to know see here's the grace story tool here's what it does it provides a way that you can think through how to share your grace story with others this is key and discern when that opportunity may be presenting itself. Because I don't know about you, but one of the things that I oftentimes find is like, okay, I'm supposed to share how Jesus has changed my life, but how do I know when to do that? How do I know when it's gonna be overbearing? How do I know when someone's like, dude, I don't wanna hear that at all. Like, like, how do I know when an opportunity might be presenting itself? And this is what this grace story tool does. It helps you not only think through your story, but it also helps you and gives you a way to discern, wait a minute, God, maybe this is an opportunity that I can share parts of my story and share with them how Jesus has made a difference in that story which is my life. So here's what I want to answer in a time we have left. How do you use the Grace Story tool? How do you use it? And we're gonna walk through how to use it, but here's the, and I want to answer this question in three ways. Here's the first thing I want you to think about when you're like, well, Johnny, how do we use this Grace Story tool? I want to do it. I believe I should do it. I even feel a little guilty that I haven't done it in the past. Well, how do I use it? Here's the first thing. You think of your story through the lens of the great story tool. Now think about it. Anything that you want to tell people about, whether it's like you got a new phone, or you got a new car, or you got a new appliance, or you got you know, some new gadget, or you watched an infomercial and the thing you bought actually works, like, like I don't know, whatever it is. Before you tell someone else about it, what do you have to do? You have to experience it for yourself. And you experiencing for yourself makes you more confident to want to share it with someone else. And so there's no possible way that I can share this Grace Story tool with someone else if I haven't thought about my life through this story, Grace Story tool first. So here's some questions that you need to ask as we think about this tool. Here's the first one. What are the times of pain in your own story? Because when we think about our story, we first have to think about as I described, Man, as I think about my story and I think about thinking of it that way, what are the moments of pain that may involve my story? Hurt that I've experienced. Shame that I've experienced. Maybe shame because I've hurt someone else. See, it's thinking of your Life as a story, when were those moments? Here's the second question I need to ask myself. When were those times in my life of a lack of purpose? You're like, well, Johnny, I'm right there right now. Okay, well, think about that. What is driving that? Is there a sense of longing that you feel like, man, I've, I'm missing out on this? Or maybe there's identity, a lack of identity there where you're like, man, there's as I think about my story, there's a significant time in my life where where all of a sudden I came to the place and I realized that that job that I lost, all my identity was found in that job. And when I lost that job, I had no idea where to go or how to think about myself or whatever it was. Or when that thing happened to me, I had no idea how to process it because I received the the shame that came upon that. Like, that's what we're talking about. Just think about those times in your life of pain or lack of purpose but there's a reason why when we're using this grace story tool that we that we think about those moments and you're like, "Well, Johnny, why is it so negative?" Like, why can't I share moments of amazing things? Well, because most often time, it's those moments of pain or that those moments where we struggle with purpose that brings us to a moment of crisis in our life. Where we hit a point in our life and we're like, "Something has to change I can't do this anymore I can't pretend this way anymore I can't fake my way through this anymore I have hit a moment of crisis in my life to where I've said something has to change listen to me in every one of our stories what I say there's common themes in every one of our stories we've hit those times I've had these in my life I've had moments of pain in my life where I'm like, I don't know how to process this. I don't have a box for this. Or moments of Man, my identity was all tied up in this. That's how I saw myself. That's how I got my self-worth is by what I could achieve and what I could build on my resume and all these different types of things. And all of a sudden, God is wrecking my world and those things have been taken from me. And I've had moments of crisis in my life where I'm like, I can't get myself out of this. I believe this theologically about God. I believe he's in control. I believe he's sovereign. I believe that he loves me. But I'm having trouble connecting that to what I'm feeling right now. Now listen, if you're a leader in Restore, you've been in Restore, you're starting to hear some things in your mind that you're like, ding, 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 ding. We've all had this moment or moments. But here's what I want you to understand. It's when we hit this moment of crisis and when we're thinking about our story, that what we're trying to say is how did Jesus meet me in this moment of crisis? Because coming and thinking of your story in this way allows you then to be able to say, how does God's story, which is this side of the wheel, intersect my story? Because God does have a story. And it's a greater story than even my story. And so it's asking ourselves, there's four elements when I think about God's story in light of my story. And first of all, what I also need, what I need to understand is there's this, there's this element of God's story that starts in creation. See, here's what you need to understand. God didn't create you to know evil. He didn't create you that way. He didn't wire you that way. In Genesis 1, when we get to the end of everything that God makes, he says, and everything that he made was very good. There was no evil in the world. There was no sin in the world. Everything that God created was perfect. And I want to clarify, when we're talking about thinking of a way to share your story when we get to creation here, we're not talking about, oh, let me tell you, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And then in then God created the sun and the moon and the stars. We're not talking about getting into the story of creation and you thinking about, well, was it 24-hour days or was it like God created everything and then it kind of evolved over time? It's not getting into that. It's just understanding that God didn't create you to know evil. It's not how God created the world. But then it's also understanding that the unfortunate thing is sin lives in this world. Sin came into this world. We live in a broken world, which is why we experience pain, and it's why we experience a lack of purpose. Sin done to us, sin committed by us. And so when I think of my story, and I think of the pain and the lack of purpose in that moment of crisis, it's me thinking through this and saying, in that moment of crisis, how did God's story intersect with my story First of all, I understand that that evil that I'm experiencing, God never meant me to experience it. That's a result of sin. So, God didn't create me to owe evil, but we live in a fallen world, which means we experience sin done to us and sin done by us. See, that's the bad news. But then we think of wait a minute, there's a rescue piece in God's story because Jesus came to deal with the fall. Jesus came to deal with my sin. Jesus came to forgive the pain or the hurt or the shame that I've done to others. Jesus came to heal the pain or the sin that was done against me. Jesus came to give me a new sense of purpose. He came to fulfill my greatest longings. He came to give me a new identity. That's why Jesus came. And I place my faith and trust in Jesus as my savior To realize how much he loved me. He loved me in spite of whatever was done to me or in spite of whatever I did to someone else. And now as I live my life and I understand that I've been rescued by Jesus and loved by Jesus, then I'm also experiencing a renewal piece that Jesus is taking the pain and taking the lack of purpose and he's renewing it and he's helping me to see it through what Jesus Christ has done for me. So that when I look at my life as Revelation Revelation 21 5 says, he says, behold, I'm making all things new. Write this down because it's trustworthy and true that there's coming a day that that Jesus will wipe away every tear and sin will be no more. But in the midst of the here and now, I also get to see as I'm abiding with Jesus that he's changing me To over time, seeing those pains and seeing those lack of purpose, though if those things were done to me, never excusing those things that were done to me, but be able to see how God is taking that sin and he's reshaping it and he's redeeming it and he's renewing it and he's making me stronger because of it. So that why? So that I have a story to tell someone else who's struggling with those same things. See, before I ever used this tool in someone else's life, we created this tool as a way for you maybe to see what God has done and is doing in your own life. It starts with you. It starts with me. It starts with me reframing how I see the events in my life. See, the first way that I use the great Story tool is I got to use it For me, here's the second thing you need to do you need to listen to what people are sharing with you. You need to listen. Because here's what that does that gives you insight into how you maybe be able to connect your story to their story. See, here's the problem too many Christians, you could say anyone, we're talking about Christians. Too many Christians do too much talking and not enough listening. You ever have one of those people in your life, like they ask you to go to go get coffee, or they t- ask you to go to lunch, and you sit down with them, and you're kind of you know jazzed that someone would want to spend some time with you, and the whole time they talk. They don't ever ask you how you're doing. They don't ask you what's going on in your life. They just, the whole hour, hour and a half, however long you're together, man, they talk. And somehow they're able to eat and talk at the same time, but they just talk. I had a mentor of mine say, good leaders ask more questions than talk. Which that's true, but I would say that's true of anyone. You know what you need to do? Here's how you begin to see if an opportunity is presenting itself to share how much Jesus changed your life and is changing your life. Just simply ask this. Tell me your story. In fact, let's just say that together. Can we do that? Ready? Ask one, two, three. Tell me your story. Now, here's what I know. Some of you are extroverts to the nine. All you need is an invitation like that, baby, and you have no problem spilling your guts. Right? Right? The reality is, is more of us are probably a little more introverted. And so when you ask, hey, tell me your story, I'm not saying that you expect everyone to just like, let me tell you every bit of pain and every bit of shame and every bit of lack of purpose or lack of identity that I've experienced. But it'll show you, it'll show you, hey, where's this person at? It shows them that you care first. So this isn't some manipulative thing that you're trying to sell Jesus to them. No, 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 you really are like, hey, tell me your story. You know what I've found? Every time I've asked that question, I've never had anybody say, "I don't got nothing. <laughs> because when I ask that question, you know what I'm doing? I'm listening. I'm listening for where I can encourage that person. I'm listening so I can say, you know what? Man, I want to pray for you. And I'm praying for you now. I know how to pray for you. I've never met someone, even if they're an atheist, refuse me to pray for them. It's helping me to understand, wow, they just shared something with me that is significant. Maybe you've been friends for a long time and you ask them, hey, what's your story? I mean, I know lots of people that, that are acquaintances of mine and known them for years or known them for however long and sometimes have never heard the answer to that. Frankly, because I haven't asked it. But how do you use this grace story tool? How do you know if an opportunity may be presenting itself? Listen. Listen to what they're sharing. And then here's the third thing. Ask if you can share your story through the framework of this grace story. See, what this is designed to do is to help you first of all see what God is doing through those moments of pain and purpose in your life. Because that's pretty important. You first have to understand, man, how is the Lord redeeming that and renewing that and restoring those things in my life? When I hit these moments of crisis, what do I need to remind myself of, of about God's love? That's part of abiding. But then it's also giving you a framework to know, okay, now I know how I can begin to weave how Jesus has changed my life. If I ask him, hey, you know what? You mentioned that pain, you mentioned that, lack of purpose. First of all, I want to say, man, I know that wasn't easy. Thank you so much for sharing. You know, I didn't necessarily go through that, but I've experienced some pain in my own life. And here's how I've been able to process that. See, let me give you some examples. Like, what if it's a moment of pain that someone shared, and you're like, hey, can I share my story with you? Just simply looking at it like this, you know, I could not understand why this happened to me. Until, until I realized, you know what happened to me? I was never created to experience that. That was a result of me living in a broken world. But you know, when I experienced that moment of crisis in my life where I couldn't process that, here's how Jesus met me there. I was reminded how much he loves me. I was reminded that he came and he died for that sin that was even committed against me. I was reminded that even though I experienced shame because of what was done to me, there's no shame with Jesus, he loves me, he died for me, he has a home in heaven for me. And over time in reminding myself of that, I begin to to see in ways that that moment of pain in my life, that God is using it to make me stronger. He's using it in such a way that I'm even sharing that with you right now. What I just did was going around that tool. That's just simply what we're talking about. Maybe it's a lack of purpose. You're like, you know, I thought I found my identity in my work. And I thought I finally would be complete. But you know what I realized? There came a point in my life where I lost that job. And I deserved it and I shouldn't have gotten let go of that job. But you know what? God didn't create me to experience that pain. But unfortunately, you know, we live in a broken world and we can't always control the things done to us. But in that moment of crisis in my life where I realized that my identity was all tied in up, God in his grace reminded me that I'm a child of God's. That Jesus loved me and he gave me a new identity. And I'm accepted by God God in heaven. And so what I thought was gonna totally wreck my life, I'm beginning to see that the Lord wanted me to learn that my identity is not tied up in my work, my identity's tied up in what Jesus has done for me and what he wants to do in me. Once again, what did I do there? I just went around that wheel of God's story. See, that's what we're trying to do is provide you a way that you can first of all say to yourself, Let me think of my life as a story, because that's what it is. And as I do that, and as I think about that, let me also remind myself that I have a story to tell. That God is writing that story. That he's restoring it, that he's redeeming it, that he's reshaping the pain moments and the lack of purpose moments. Not for me to hide my story, but for me to share my story with others. See, the greatest thing that we want you to understand is when you walk out of these doors and as we continue to give you opportunities to think of your story through God's greater story, and we're going to do that throughout this year, is that when you walk out of those doors... That you're saying to yourself, man, there's a sense of empowerment that I feel. Because now where I work, and now where I have hobbies, and now where I live, I'm starting to see my life in a different way. That I just don't see it as my responsibility ends in inviting someone to come to church. But wait a minute, my story is more important even than Johnny telling them something. Because my story is about how Jesus has changed my life. And listen to me, you know what I found? No one can argue with your story because it's yours. And your life testifies to the truth of your story. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 20 says this, all this is from God. Everything that God is wanting you to know about him. The invitation, like we read in Revelation 3.20 over and over again, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens that door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Jesus wants to abide with me. He just doesn't say, tell me to abide with him, but he wants to abide with me. All this is from God. Who through Christ reconciled or made us right to himself and gave us, us, you, me, not just me, not just the pastoral staff, not just the elders here. He gave all of us what? The ministry of reconciliation. The story of how God made you accepted by him through Jesus says we're ambassadors, we're representatives of Christ, and that God makes his appeal to others through you, through me. You know, and when you came in the doors this morning, you got hopefully one of these cards that said, who's your one? If you didn't, you can grab one at the Welcome Center. The reason why I want to introduce this now is because we're going to wrap up. I'm going to share with you our fifth tool next week. But I want to remind us of why we're doing this. Because it's as amazing as it is, and as much as we want it about Jesus changing us, and absolutely that's important, it starts with us. But it's not meant to stop with us. And I want you to begin thinking and praying this week of who is one person. Just say, Lord, I'm going to pray, and who's one person that you've brought in my path that you want want me to make an investment in? Do you want me to say, hey, you know, if they're like, hey, that Bible that you read, like, how do you read it? I got a way. Do you want to read it together? And how do I even begin to have a conversation with God? Hey, do you want me to show you how I pray? I got all this stuff happening in my life. I have no idea why it's happening. Hey, Let me help share with you how I've been able to process events in my life and just been able to say, God, what are you saying in this and what am I to do about it? Hey, your life seems different. You've gone through something really hard and you seem to have a different perspective than I've seen anyone else have. Can I share with you my story? So, what I want you to do over this next week is I just want you to pray, God, who's my one? Who's one person that I can invest in with the things that I'm learning? Because here's what's awesome. If we look at a church our size, and I know maybe you come to the 11, or or you normally come to the nine and you're here at the 11, but if we think of a church our size and we thought of every person doing this with one person. Think about the ramifications with that. And I'm not talking about that we'll have more people sitting in Salem Chapel. I'm talking about for Jesus, think of the impact. And next week, what we're gonna do at the end of our service next week is we're gonna take whatever name we wrote in this card and we're gonna just come forward and we're gonna pray over that card and say, Lord, would you give me an opportunity to invest in them? I don't know everything. I'm not saying I'm perfect. None of us are. But Lord, would you give me an opportunity to show someone else how they can abide with Jesus? Would you stand with me this morning? And I just want us and this song that we're gonna sing, which just talks about Jesus as our living hope, I want you to think about your story. Think about the moment of pain, the moment of lack of purpose, whatever it is, think about it. Even think about that moment where it's like amazing and it happened last week then think of that wheel that we showed you of God's story God created you for him unfortunately we live in a broken world but Jesus came to rescue you he came to give you hope and he wants to speak that hope into your life every day so that pain and that lack of purpose whatever moments of hurt are in your life he wants to renew them he wants to restore them he wants to breathe hope into them and allow this song to speak to your soul today. Lord, we're here today to remind ourselves of hope. It's so easy for us to lose our hope because we look for it in so many other places than the one place that it's found. And that's in you, Jesus. God, I thank you that you have given each of us a story. And God, though we don't, welcome or thank you for the sin that we experience or the sin that we've committed. We praise you that you are a God who is greater than our sin. And you are someone who wants to redeem and restore and to make all things good. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.